You're listening to the Never Heard of It podcast, a Night Shift Radio original. Every week, we bring you the good, the bad, the weird, and lesser-known streaming movies. Hit subscribe for new episodes every Thursday and Sunday. It's it's surprising that Andy DeFranco would cover uh, the wishing, hoping, planning song Why because it's because it feels very like patriarchal. Because that song is like. I want a boy to like me, mm. so all I gotta do is wish and hope and pray. Uh, and like Anna DeFranco would be up there and be like, yo, fuck that guy. Like, you know, like Anna DeFranco doesn't give a shit about that sort of stuff. Like, she's Anna DeFranco, you know? Boys come to her. That is, I mean, that is true. Uh, although, like, I could say that there's definitely an, an impulse to, to cover a song that you wouldn't necessarily have written if it's one that you really liked like growing up or one that like has a, a special meaning to you. I, I understand that. Uh, not that I can speak for Ani DeFranco, uh, like why she covered that song, but like, I, I think it, it, it would probably make sense if she explained it, but without any context, it's like, yeah, that, that doesn't quite add up. I think, uh, the reason that she did end up recording that song is, um, the movie company gave her a pile of money and it was like, cover the song. And she was like, yes, ma'am, here we go. I mean, that, that would be, that would be very, uh, very logical. Uh, alternately, the reason is you. Oh. <laughs> Yo, if Andy DeFranco wants to do anything for me, I'm okay with that. Oh, okay. All right. well, you heard it here folks folks uh andy defranco if you're out there and you want to write or uh cover a song specifically for michael fight he's down yeah 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 <laughs> and you're obviously listening yes. to this uh podcast yes. so i know we're one of your favorite uh yeah uh you know you know what's really interesting what's really though? interesting uh, more has happened in the first two minutes of this podcast than in all 120 oh, minutes of Dead Sight. You son of a bitch, you're right, though. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Never Ended Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Fight. I'm Sabrina Buckets at the end of the world. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, if you guys have been around through the month, uh, we have been counting down uh, the, the, well, not really counting down, but we've been pitting four zombie movies against each other to determine which is the worst zombie movie. We're doing the worst zombie movie of June. Mm -hmm. So we started off our month with uh, Strain 100. Just absolute trash. Just absolute garbage. Uh, we then uh, ended up watching uh, Daylight Ends. Which... Uh a little bit more vampire-esque than zombies, but uh, definitely better than uh, than Strain 100. So first half of the month was a clear victory for Strain 100. And then last week we covered the film Trench 11. Yeah, uh, so uh, here we are in week four, and there's a, a, an unexpected tie-in between uh, the two episodes for the, the back half of this month. Michael, did you realize that this was a Canadian film? I did not realize yeah, that. Yeah, so Trench 11 was a Canadian film that uh, featured a Canadian war hero. Uh, as we talked about, it, like you don't typically see World War One, World War Two era films from a Canadian perspective, or really from any perspective other than like the American, the Japanese, or the Germans. Uh, at least I haven't, I should say. Like 
making these broad sweeping generalizations about other people's film experience. I mean, nobody has ever seen, <laughs> it doesn't exist. This is fact, <laughs> proven fact. Oh, uh, but yeah. So we, we had Trench 11 was a, a Canadian war film uh, that was again, not quite zombies. It was zombie-esque. There were, there were undead. There was an infection. It was more parasitic. It was more like the uh, Guillermo del Toro's, the strain, the, the Strigoi and that, but close enough. Uh, but yeah, here we are with 2018's Dead Sight, which was a real, like, real, real quiet Canadian uh, zombie film. The, this one of the uh, of the four, in some ways, was probably closest to, say, a true zombie film, if I had to. Um, yeah, and you do, because that's the point of this you podcast. You do have to. <laughs> <laughs> but also, uh, yeah, the one with the least going on. Uh, and it was it was kind of surprising me to realize that this film was made in 2018 because it felt like it could have been a COVID era film because there yes. were essentially only two characters throughout the majority of the film with a few other people here and there at random. It was mostly shot outside. Uh, you easily could have uh, could have slapped a, a 2021 on this instead of 2018 and fooled me entirely. Yeah. And, you know, so the big thing obviously was, uh, there's, you know, I mean, there's very little talking in this movie, mm-hmm. um, you know, aside of a few like, ah, whoa, ah. uh, but the one line specifically is, you know, the main character comes across a guy who was like, yeah, I don't know what happened there. There was this, uh, flu vaccine that mutated and I thought I was going to be fine because I didn't get the vaccine but he was infected anyways. So yes, it definitely, I was like, wait, cause I actually looked up what year it came out after that line. Yeah. I was like, did we run into another? Cause daylight ends was a little bit, yeah. uh, of like the, the anti or was it strain 100? Strain 100 was the, the strain 100 anti-vax. Weird. So that's what I thought too. So I had to look it up and I was like, Oh, is this another like subtly anti-vax thing? 2018. I was like, I mean, could be, but probably not. I think it was just, they just wanted to give a reason why zombies. I mean, the the generalized anti-vax movement was gaining some speed at that point. It was really just when the, the COVID vaccine was announced that it just like really hit its stride. Like, you know how we can get the most people killed? By denying science. All right, let's go. Uh, and so, yeah. And just, just so everyone at home uh, notes, this is strictly Jenny McCarthy's fault. Uh-huh. Uh, she was the one who started the vaccines cause autism uh, thing. And because she was a celebrity, it caught fire. So she is 100% to blame for all of the anti-vax rhetoric that's happening right now. Of mm-hmm. course, that's been around for a while, but she is responsible for the giant movement that exists today. And like, imagine how the last few years might have gone were it not for that. But anyway, that's mere speculation. We're here to talk about a movie. Uh, but yeah, you you could be forgiven for, uh, for at first glance, thinking that this was a COVID-era film or thinking that uh, that maybe it was specifically anti-vax. Although that really was the only line. Uh, and when I say that, I mean, it's the only line in the movie. The only spoke. No. Uh, no. <laughs> for real, though. <laughs> it's the only line in the movie that gives us any hint at all of what is actually happening here. Uh, we've talked you know, every week so far and in the past when we do zombie films uh, about the zombie film, film formula. And while I say this is probably the closest to a true zombie film that we're covering this month, it also doesn't really follow the formula. In fact, uh, I think Daylight's End was probably the closest to following the formula, following the script for 
a zombie film, even though it wasn't fully zombies. This one, we've got slow moving shamblers. We have some sort of infection. We don't learn anything about other than this one guy's like paranoid rant as he's dying. And that's it. So like, we don't know if he's right. And he said, basically like, I heard my buddy say something about the flu shot that went bad, basically. Uh, so we're left wondering, okay, like, was it actually like, was it a flu? And, you know, they tried to, uh, vaccinate for it. Like, uh, that was, I think, strain 100. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, or was it actually the vaccine caused this, uh, this issue? Was it something else entirely? Um, because as he notes, he didn't get it because he thought that would keep him safe and it didn't. Let that be a lesson to you folks. Not getting the vaccine is not going to keep you safe. Yeah. No, <laughs> I think that proves that point very much so. Cause like he was like, I'll be good and then ends up with it anyways. Yep. Yep. Um, but we do have a, a really interesting slow burn turn that causes the people to act really kind of erratically before they actually die and. Uh, and and fully turn. Uh, so that said, why don't we get into the the premise of Dead Sight, Michael? Why don't you tell us how this movie is uh, is described for for the, the the world? So the IMDb description for this movie reads: A man with partial blindness and a young pregnant police officer must work together to escape from a deadly virus that has spread across Gray County. Okay. Which I think is really interesting that the IMDb description isolates it to a county to which they don't specify that in the film. So, we, I mean, for all we know, it's the whole world. That's true. All we get for any kind of location markers is when the officer will occasionally say on Gray Route 20 or something like that. So, you know, since we know that it's Gray County, we know that they're talking about county roads. Um now, one thing that I think is really interesting about this this particular style of storytelling in in a zombie uh, setting is that this story really only could happen in a place like you know deeply rural Canada. Um, for one, there's almost no one in it, uh, so we're not talking about hordes of zombies. We're not talking about you know a city has fallen and we're trying to escape or deal with the aftermath. We're not talking about groups of survivors going on supply runs or whatnot. We are in the middle of nowhere, and every now and then, some dead motherfucker comes stumbling into the frame. You know, this is also why I thought this was a why I also thought it was a COVID era film because there was nobody in this movie. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. we're talking, maybe you know, there's only three speaking roles, give or take, um, and we only see like maybe six or seven zombies throughout the whole film, and they never really. They don't interact a lot with them. You know, like you mentioned, there's no other real survivors. Uh, so it's it's weird. It was, it was a very empty-looking film, feeling film. So uh, before we get into the film itself, I also want to point out that another one of the um, film descriptions or synopsis that's offered on IMDb begins with the line, an amnesiac blind man awakes alone in the back of an ambulance and unsuccessfully tries to contact anybody new using the radio. Did you get any perception that he was amnesiac in, in any way? No. The only line that I think they might have picked that up from is uh, when when Mara meets up with him for the first time, the, the sheriff or the cop. Um, she's like, how did you get here? And he's like, I don't know. I just woke up in an ambulance and that's it. But I thought he was just being like, 
I don't know how all this happened. Yeah. I just woke up and like, I didn't think it was amnesiac, more of just like, a, I don't understand. Yeah. More, less of like, I don't remember. And that's my read on it too, because uh, we'll jump ahead just for a moment. We do later learn just that the barest sliver of detail about Ben, the main character's life, uh, and the reason that he was in that ambulance. Uh, she finds, uh, Mara finds his file in the ambulance at one point and reads that he was recovered from a house fire that there was a young child and a woman, adult woman found dead in the house, uh, and that they suspected that he was possibly uh, responsible for the fire and possibly suicidal. Um, all of that is relevant because when the film starts, we're focused entirely on Ben in the back of an ambulance, blindfolded from having some sort of, you know, like quick care done on him. Uh, presumably injuries from the fire that we later learn about, but handcuffed to the gurney. And that's all we know. So it's implied that he is either considered dangerous or a danger to himself, but we don't get any context for that at all. And so when he says, I woke up in the back of an ambulance and everyone was gone and I couldn't see anything, as far as we know, that's 100% correct. Yeah, so that was actually a really frustrating fact once uh, once she does discover that, because after she did, I was like, okay, so that's going to come into play at some point. Like, there's a reason you're telling us this, because this is a very specific thing. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, okay, so there's a reason you're telling us this. They're going to they're gonna talk about it, you know, because Mara is pregnant. Mm-hmm. And he keeps making references to like, oh, when my wife was pregnant, mm-hmm. these sort of things. So like, that's how he knows that she's pregnant because he like hears it in her, in her, you know, her out of breath and how she's like, you know, walking and stuff like that. And he's like, how far along? You know, or he says, you know, what is it? Is it a boy or a girl? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and that's how he discovers that she's like eight, eight or nine months pregnant. Yeah, she's um, she ready to pop any moment. Yeah. And, uh, and so I was like, okay, so something is going to come. They're going to talk about it. He's going to give us a sob story, but then they don't. And there's no, like, there's no reason for that story to have ever happened. Like they, she could have just read the chart and been like, Ben, Ben Nielsen blinded by accident period. Yeah. And nothing would have changed about like that, his character or anything like it just made, it made me like when upon learning this, it made me like like him less, but for no reason, you know, because I was like, well, I don't do I even need to like him? I don't understand. Like, is he a bad guy? Like, is he going to turn on her? Like, yeah, flip on her, I guess. But like, it's just I don't get it. Really, the, the lack of follow through because we don't get it. Like, if we have characters that are entirely a mystery the entire time. OK, like there's something there you can you can work with that. But when you dangle just a little bit of a. Uh, a solution to the mystery and then never follow through on it. Why did you make that choice? Was something cut? Like was something filmed and it just didn't work? Uh, did you just like, did you try to write more and thought like, no, it's not necessary. Like I want to know what choices were made to get us here. Yeah. You know, so we, we've talked about, you know, talking about the, the zombie film formula, you know, one of the things that we brought up, um, in daylight's end is that, you know, they, they, they sort of give an answer, you know, like, uh, or strain 100 and, and daylight's end, they sort of give an answer, but like, we're to the point in zombie movies where we don't need 
a cause. Like you don't need to say why a zombie outbreak happened. Sure. If you if you start the movie in the middle of a zombie outbreak, you can just be like, oh, got it. It's a zombie outbreak. It was a a medicine gone bad. A you know, bat bite that turned off, you know, whatever it is, it it literally doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. Right. Walking dead's another really great example. Like they went that whole thing and they give a little bit of an answer as to how it all started, but it doesn't matter. And nobody cares. Yeah. You know, like they don't care about how it started. They're not trying to go off and cure it or anything. You know, they're just dealing with it at the moment. And I think that this film does it to a fault that they decided to give zero information about anything so, like, all we know is Mara's pregnant. Where the fuck is the dad? No clue. Ben's a potential convict. Why? Mm-hmm. No clue. Like, that's all we it. That's all we know. That's it. That's that's the only information we know of the film. Fun fact about Walking Dead. Uh, yeah, the entire uh, main storyline, at least, goes through the its entirety without ever telling us what the, the cause is, and that's fine for the story. But uh, Kirkman, uh, the creator... Just casually on Twitter one day was like, yeah, it was Space Rock or something like that. Like, it was a meteorite. Like, <laughs> basically just casually drops that, like, oh, the whole zombie apocalypse started with, like, a virus out of space or something like that. <laughs> I'm not saying it's aliens. <laughs> but it's aliens. <laughs> but it's aliens. Giorgio is losing <laughs> his mind over here. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and it's like, so we have Ben. He wakes up alone in the ambulance. He manages to like to get himself out which the the amount of maneuvering that this guy does without being able to see a goddamn thing is pretty impressive uh although at times uh it feels like he's even even more hindered than he should be uh, but then other times he's just like running literally blindly through a like a big old farmhouse with lots of connecting doors and hallways and has no clue where he's doing it's like a scooby-doo chase um yeah and you know he finds the the paramedics. One of them is already turned and attacks him, and somehow he manages to fend it off. Uh, the other one is apparently still alive, just long enough to tell him to run. Um, which, like, buddy, buddy, you were there. You put the bandages on his eyes. How you think he's gonna run? <laughs> <laughs> Where is he running? How is he running? Well, the other part about that too is is at this moment when he says run, Ben already knows that the ambulance can drive. So there's also a very frustrating theme throughout this entire movie where very good tools or helpful items, they just, they're yes. like one shot use. I mean, it happened so many times that I was like, now it's unreasonable. Like it's gotten to the point where it's unbelievable. It's I, like, you know, that that's my biggest pet peeve in any kind of like disaster, apocalypse, monster movie, whatever. When you have weapons and you don't fucking hang on to them, you got a, you got a gun. It runs out of bullets. Don't throw it on the ground. Keep it. Find more bullets. You yeah. got a gun, you shoot it once and like it gets knocked out of your hand, but you like struggle and you like win the fight and you get away, bring the gun with you. You get jumped by a bunch of guys that have you know, like fucking M16s and you take them all out like uh, in daylight's end. Take their guns. Don't leave those behind. You got a fucking machete and like you make one badass kill with it. Don't leave it in the zombie's skull. Take it with you. And like... It is literally every kill is like, no, that's that's not fair because there are a couple of weapons that they do use like twice, but it's almost every kill and literally every like melee kill um, once he becomes uh, separated from his 
uh, piece of gurney that he takes with him that he's handcuffed to, uh, that is both his, his cane, his crutch, and his weapon. Um, once he becomes separated from that, he never uses a melee weapon twice. Uh, and, like, yeah. wildly frustrating. But uh, along those same lines, like you, we mentioned that Ben wakes up alone in the ambulance. Shit's gone to hell around him already. Mara wakes up alone in her home, in her own bed. Like you said, where's her family? Where, like, does she have any support network? What is she, like, we know she's a cop, but, like, what does she do in her life? She's got one voicemail from her mom saying, oh, honey, we can't come visit you. Your, your dad's not feeling well. Okay, so that implies the outbreak has already happened. It's, it's her parents. She's never going to see them again, but she doesn't know that at this point. But that's it. Like, she gets no context. So she's on her way into work, and she's on the radio just chattering like just any old random person with a walkie-talkie, not, not like she actually knows anyone on the other end, and, of course, is getting no response. And she's like, oh, that's weird. I guess I'll just go about my day like normal. Yeah, I mean, she makes a comment of like, you know, hey, you know, over the walkie, like my my walkie's acting weird. Like, I'll just see you when I get to the office, if anyone can hear this. And then she just is like, da, 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 which in all fairness, I probably would think the same, right? Given no con- contextual clues, if I was like using the walkie and no one responding, it'd be like, ah, fucking walkie's gone bad, you know, or something. And it'd be like, oh, I'll just get to the office and figure it out. I totally would do the same, but it does get to the point where uh, she does eventually hear Ben, who hops into the front of the ambulance thing and starts radioing over and saying, like, hi, my name is Ben Nielsen. Like, I don't know where I am. I'm blind. I'm in an ambulance on the side of the road. I don't know where I am. And she hears that uh, that radio thing. And then she, like, tries to respond to him. It doesn't work. You know, all, all things, nothing goes right. And But then she's just like, eh, some must, must be my walkie. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. Um, I just I'm I'm trying to think of like if they give us any indication of when this film is set. We know when it was released, um, but there's no indication that says that I that I picked up on that says that it's necessarily like a modern film. And I say that specifically because, like, even going back several years in this type of franchise, we have characters that have some way of getting information about like the world going to shit around them pretty rapidly uh whether it be like they're watching the news whether like you know they're they see it on social media feeds until like the networks go down or what what have you but that doesn't happen at all no one in this film has any information at all nobody has a a cell phone nobody tries the like a television like they barely even use the radio and that really is only like two-way for communication. Like, we never hear anyone, like, actually listening for news on the radio or anything like that. And I find that to be uh, a strange choice as well because it is, like, particularly isolating, even more so than the setting, this being somewhere in rural Canada. It's wintertime. It's cold. It's snowy. Like, like it's middle of nowhere, lots of forest. But it's even more isolating that these characters have absolutely no contact or communication with the outside world. Yeah, I, I thought that was really weird, too, because if I recall correctly, she listens to the the voicemail from her mother from, like, an answering machine, right? Mm-hmm. I think yeah, I, it could be a cell phone. I don't remember that. The only thing I do remember is it does say something like one mobile voice message or something like that. So, like, that could be a cell okay. phone. But even then, like, 
I, I wasn't paying attention to see if it was like a modern smartphone or if she had a flip phone or if she was calling from from her from from her landline. I I didn't catch that. Um, but yeah, it it is it's strange that there's just no like that is that is the only thing that gives us any indication of of what's happening outside Gray County. And that and that is another interesting thing too. Um, so. You know, Ben finally makes it to this house. Um, he he sort of locks himself up in this house. At this point, Mara has, um, you know, uh, been on the road. She stops on the road because a young woman is, like, in the middle of the road vomiting. She gets out of the car, and she's like, hey, are you okay? And the woman's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Like, you know, you need to get away. And then so she, like, walks up to the car. Mara steps back from the car. She's a terrible police officer. Yeah. She steps back from the car, and the woman's like, ah. Uh, and then she grabs the a gun from inside Mara's, like, loosely inside Mara's thing, even though Mara has a gun attached to her. Presumably. I don't really understand where she gets the gun. It seemed very, like, unsafe maybe, for a police officer. Maybe she just already had it. Like, we don't see where. I mean, she definitely leans into the car and then pulls out the gun. That's what I thought, too. And it, it is, yeah. like, it feels particularly strange for any for any film outside of the U S for the cops to be like heavily armed to begin with. Uh, but much less to have one have a side on, on her hip and have one just like sitting in the passenger seat. It was just like sticking in the cup holder, yeah. you know, <laughs> in case she needed to that's reach her, for the coke, reach for the gun. That's her spare gun. Yeah. So, so this, this whole scene plays off really weird because at first the woman was like, you need to go away. She takes the gun and she puts it to her own head and she's like, I'm sorry, like you need to go. And you know, Mara has her gun out and she's like, Hey, don't do that very passively. And then the girl's like, and then the girl starts aiming the gun at Mara. Mara shoots her in the leg. The gun, the woman doesn't even react. I mean, literally just stares at her. And then she's like, I'm sorry. And she just hops in the car and steals her car. Which is uh, so bizarre. It, it's a really, I mean, like, look, I'm not a cop. Uh, I don't know cops. But I know enough that, like, everything Mara did was bad cop. Like, unsafe, not like bad cop, but like unsafe cop. Like, she stepped away from her own vehicle. She left her door wide open, which left access to a, another gun. You know, like she didn't she didn't move towards the victim, you know, as she was, you know, before she had the gun, she didn't move towards her to be like, hey, what's going on? You know, she just kept backing up away and like creating a point where the woman then had full control and she was way further back. It was weird. And like another thing we don't really get any additional context to is like this woman is clearly like injured or sick or something like her mouth is like red and crusty and like cracked and like she's like she's clearly ill. She's been vomiting in the street. She's she's screaming. She's crying. Uh, and this is part of what I was saying. Like when we get uh, like a really weird turn process here, where we get to see the people start to behave like emotionally erratic as like these sores form around their mouth. And it's a very it's a visible sickness that we don't usually see in in most zombie films. Most of them like part like. I think really the reason you can have the like someone gets bit bitten but hides it trope that most zombie films have that this one doesn't um, is because there are no visible signs until like basically like they're so feverish that like they can't stand up anymore. Uh, and then that's usually like that's the end. But here, like they seemed 
and like not even like necessarily quickly. It seems like a very slow process that this takes over and then has as the has these external uh, visual indications, and then they suddenly turn. Yeah, it was very weird. So shortly after this moment, you know, Mara eventually just starts walking, you know, putting one foot in front of the other. Mm -hmm. And she eventually gets to the house that Ben has has locked himself in. So she does get inside the house. As she gets closer to the house, she hears Ben screaming because Ben is being attacked by a zombie at this moment. And he's trying to get away, but he's blind, so he can't really fight effectively. Um, And so she she like gets into the house. She takes care of the zombie, which uh, we get a little bit of inconsistency here because it, uh, there is a couple of moments where she shoots a couple of zombies uh, in the chest and stuff and they die. Yeah. But sometimes they don't and it takes a headshot. So it's like very inconsistent as to when that happens. Yeah. I mean, like there's like I mentioned Ben wielding the the occasional melee weapon, whatever he can find, you know, at one point it's a just a stick at one point it's an axe you know for a while it's the piece of the the gurney rail uh and like he might like kind of just hit them and knock them over and then keep walking uh one time he axes a guy in the stomach and that's enough um yeah but then like other times zombies take multiple shots to to kill other times you know mara nails a perfect headshot uh like you said very inconsistent and and Ben nails, uh, nails a perfect head, headshot with a shotgun from halfway across the lawn while also completely missing Mara, oh, yeah. who is directly in front of the zombie. Yes. It was like, I was like, okay, we're a little. <laughs> so, I mean, a half hour into this episode, most of what I have said so far are like relatively minor complaints uh, in the grand scheme of things. But that, which was in like one of the climactic scenes towards the end of the film, that was a pretty big miss uh, on the part of whoever decided that that, that should happen. Um, because, yeah, like just moments before um, the guy like I mean, you know, some random like redneck guy in the woods who had uh, driven by before shooting zombies and like just barely missed Ben uh, takes a shot at him with the same shotgun from about the same distance and like just kind of like wings his shoulder uh, while Ben is like actually like actively speaking, hello, hello, help me, hello, is anyone there? He's like, oh, I thought you were one of them, but uh, you know, lucky, lucky for you, I'm a I'm a better shot than my cousin was or something like that. Uh, n- no, you weren't. But then minutes later, when Ben uses that same shotgun from the same distance, just straight up blows the head off a zombie and it's like a fucking surgeon and like. <laughs> Mara is right, right in front of the zombie. At least some of that shot would have hit her. Oh, totally. Yeah. Or the blood would have gotten in her mouth or, you know, because it it explodes the zombie's head. Mm-hmm. Like it's, you know, it isn't just like ah, a piece of his brain went away. Like it pops his head like a balloon. Yeah. And we get a, f- um, we get a few of those, which um, honestly, those are always particularly satisfying kills in uh, in the like the campier zombie, sh- uh, zombie yeah. films uh, when body parts just straight up explode. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, agreed. It's also pretty satisfying in video games uh. when you sh- get a headshot and their heads explode. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so Mara comes in, you know, she, she hears Ben and she's looking at him. She, she's like, you know, stay here. I've got to, you know, I've got to secure the place. She ends up removing the handcuff from the gurney thing, but then cuffing him again. 
and being like, stay here, I have to secure the house. I'm not really sure why all of a sudden she was a safe cop. It also didn't feel necessary yeah. because like, what is this blind guy going to do? You know? Well, and of course, like she, she could be thinking, oh, this guy might be trying to fool me and maybe he's not really blind. And why is he like handcuffed to begin with? Was he a danger? But she doesn't say or indicate any of that. She just like hesitates for a moment and then like acts like she's going to take the cuffs off him. And then just like cuffs them together, uh, which uh, visual inconsistency. There's one moment where you can see that the handcuffs are barely closed. Like, oh, yeah, which I mean, good for the actor not having to have his wrist chafing constantly to, to get the scene. But like it was noticeable. I was like, man, you could yeah. you could slip that real easy. Yeah, just be like, whoop. Uh, and she says to him, so this is another thing that's really interesting. You know, we talk about when people, uh, whether they use the Z word or not, is do they know what a zombie is or don't they? Mm -hmm. And so now she's only seen the one girl who was sick, and she says to Ben right off the bat, are you sick? Has one of those bit you? Yeah. Like, she's very clear about it, but she... She doesn't know that information. Yeah. She has not seen a person be bit. She's only seen the one sick person. And this is her only indication that there's something weird. This is her first and only contact with a zombie at this point who was talking, gets in her car and steals it. She has no reason to believe that one, it's a zombie Two, that's how it how it spreads, you know. And three, this is this is what's happened to him. So obviously, she shoots the zombie that is trying to kill him, but she doesn't like. It's just a really big assumption that she's just like zombies figured it out. I know exactly how this spreads. I know all the rules. It's just weird. Yeah, and that's like maybe maybe she has some additional information that she received, like earlier this week or the day before like maybe maybe she actually knows that the world has gone to hell and like it just hasn't reached their little corner of the world yet so she was trying to go business as usual but there's no indication that that's the case at all so all we can operate on is that the woman who steals her car is the first infected person that she's encountered and then yeah suddenly like she knows all the rules it's yeah it was very it's very odd it's odd um and also, you know, the other thing is, is based on Ben's, uh, Ben's, you know, talk, like what, you know, his description and stuff is that this happened literally overnight, mm -hmm. you know? So the assumption is, is that Tuesday, everything was fine. Wednesday, Zambies, you know, mm -hmm. like that's, that's the assumption we're going to make here because otherwise she would have that information. She would have said over the radio, like, Hey, did we get any more infected? Like, how's that working out? You know, she would have had that sort of precursor knowledge, but she just plain doesn't. Yeah. It's very weird. Uh, so, so now Mara and Ben are together. Uh, and here's where, you know, our, our twosome story begins. Yeah. So Mara decides to, um, decides that the best thing she could possibly do is leave Ben in the cellar of this house in the middle of nowhere and go back for the ambulance. Uh, which, to a certain extent, is a reasonably sound plan. If you take it at face value, like, stash the guy who can't see uh, and could get himself hurt even without zombies, like, stash him away, safe, go get transportation, come back, get him, then, like, get the hell out. But, like, there's a whole argument first about, like, he wants to come, and she's like, I won't survive with you. 
because <laughs> she's like, you won't survive out there. Um, and so she like ties a rope to the door, leads it down to him, brings him an axe, which what is an axe going to do for a man who can't see where to swing it? Uh, as right. we later learn, not much. Uh, but, you know, she has a plan. She's like, you know, I, I've tied this to the door. Lock, you know, lock it behind me, but then like stay down here. And if something happens, follow the rope to get out and just go out back and wait for me in the woods. And the first thing he does is just go and like sit out like right in the, the front room in full view of a window. And of course, a zombie immediately smashes through with no warning, no precursor, nothing. Just smashes right through the window, uh, which... I mean, I, I guess maybe was intended for a scare, but it's more like, oh, okay. So like, there's, there's, they're just coming right in now. And yeah. this is where I say he, he goes on a blind Scooby-Doo chase through the house, which is almost hilarious uh, before like finally running out the back door and then just fucking off. And like, when she's like, wait for me in the woods, he's like, no, nah, I'm just going to wander around. And like, he finds a cabin, he gets attacked there, makes one kill, leaves his weapon he, then he wanders further, finds another cabin, and that's when he gets shot by, what's his name? What, what are we I, doing? Probably Gator. There's a guy named Gator in this film, and I, I feel like that's probably who it was. I mean, probably, because there's only three people, really, in this movie. So, um, yeah, I, you know, in that instance, that's another one of those, like, that, that acts, you know, was completely useless. Like, it didn't make any sense, you know, because as soon as the zombie breaks through, he drops the axe yeah. and just runs away. And I'm like, dude, just start wildly swinging the axe. Like, I don't, like, I don't understand. And here's the other thing. So he's been doing eye drops mm -hmm. to help his eyesight. And his eyesight does get progressively better throughout the film. And towards the end of the movie, um, you know, he, what our indication is he keeps taking the blindfold off and looking at his hands. Mm -hmm. So the first time we see it, it's, you know, it's nothing like, you, you, you know, it's just, it's just a bunch of fuzzy lights and stuff like that. Yeah. The second time we see it, it's extremely blurry, right? It's really like, it's still not manageable, right? He still can't exactly do anything. But one of the last times we see it, it's pretty clear like yeah. it's pretty clear like you can clearly see his hands like you know it'd be the equivalent of like putting on your friend's glasses yeah you know like you would be able to see but everything would be sort of like wonky and blurry but like you definitely could see and function yeah uh but he still is acting like he's blind sometimes and then sometimes not at all it was really that's another one of those inconsistencies and another one of those like so he's blind just for that, like, first half of the movie, just to make that tension, like, he's, you know, I guess, just to make the title make sense. He's blind when it matters for the story. Uh -huh. Yes. But yeah, as uh, in, in keeping with the theme of single-use items in this, uh, this film, uh, uh, Mara does make it back to the ambulance, but, uh, I mean, I guess predictably, although, like, this, this felt like an unnecessary twist, um, Ben must have left it running because it's out of gas. Which that was that was my thought when she was like, I'm gonna go back to the ambulance. I was like, Yeah, Ben's been leaving that shit running. Like he never turned it off or anything. So like that thing's super dead right now. But I was like, ah, but they're not gonna do that. Like movie magic or whatever. Yeah. You know, like it, that was just gonna be one of those like you excuse it because it's whatever, it's part of the plot. Well, and there's, um, there's... But then when she does it as dead, I was like all right, good for you. There's so many of those like um, 
weird kind of artsy quick cut edits where like we'll see a shot of like the character walking and then we'll see them like engaged in action and they're walking again and then action and then different action and then like it's real quick stuff like that. But we have a scene like that early on where Ben is in the cab of the ambulance and he's trying the radio, he's trying the eye drops, he's like freaking out, he's trying to start the thing, he finally succeeds. So like it would be easy enough for them to just imply that he did shut the ambulance off before he got out, got attacked and ran. Um, but of course there was the decision to like, nope, we have to continue isolating and stranding them. So she makes it all the way there. Unsuccessful turns around and goes back. Shockingly, she can't find him because he's fucked off. Yeah. Which, you know, is another one of like, where she says, like, oh, there's woods out back, just hang out in the woods. Like, one, that's incredibly unsafe for a blind guy. But two, he has no reference for that. Yeah. Like, what does out back mean? Yeah. Like, how far is out back? Yeah. You know, like, how far should I go in the woods? Like, at one point, you know, if I'm just in the backyard, like, why don't I just stay in the house? Yeah. You know, which is another one of those things where I'm like, why don't you just stay in the house anyways? Like, go back down to the cellar where there's no fucking windows. Yeah. For zombies to come getting through. Yeah, literally just be like, stay here, shut the door, don't let anyone in until I come back. Okay, right. yeah, easy. And then, like, that makes the most sense for the guy who can't see his way around when he's in unfamiliar territory to begin with. But... Nope. How else would we have the opportunity for him to almost kill her with a shotgun, but somehow completely miss? Because somehow completely miss... Uh, brilliantly at that yeah so you know honestly there's nothing really happens in this movie until we get to the very end so they keep sort of wandering they're walking they have no vehicles they end up stumbling across a factory of sorts which i don't know why they thought this would be a safe haven um but they're like oh here's this factory we're gonna go and walk you know get into this factory they go inside the factory, they turn the lights on, you know, they get inside and now all of a sudden she's in labor, mm -hmm, right? You know, mm -hmm. she's, cause she's under immense stress. And so she's like, it's too early. And he's like, eh, it's coming, babe. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Oh my God. There was a, a moment that I think was intended for comedy, but there was no like lightening of the tension or like break in the action to allow it. But like, there's a moment she's obviously in pain. He's like, are you having contractions? She's like, no, I think it's just stress. And he asks her, this motherfucker asks her, has anything stressful happened to you recently? <laughs> I, that was the most like, it was the most, because like, she doesn't even react like really. Yeah. She's just this sort of like, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, you know, like, and he's just like, oh, okay, cool. And I'm like, this is a bomb ass joke right now. The like, what is happening? First off, kudos for having the balls to be asking that the way you did. Yeah. And like weird for Mara to just be like, ah, oh, yeah, I don't know, man. You know, like it's just, this was just such a weird moment. I, that, and I, I agree with you. That was like, when he dropped that joke, I was like, wait, what? What? Yeah. <laughs> like you can't ask that. And it, it is worth noting at this point that Mara um, is played by Liv Collins, who was one of the writers of this film. Yeah. And I just feel like, Live, live. If if you've listened to this and if you've dealt with us shit talking your movie for this long, understand <laughs> you had the highest quality comic relief moment and just that tiny little tension breaker, and it would have been magnificent. 
And, yes. And, but, and you missed it. And I want to know why. So you took it seriously. And so the joke didn't land. If, yeah. Yeah. If, if somehow, if you hear this, uh, first of all, we're sorry. Uh, but second of all, please explain how that happened because that would have been so good. Yeah. Uh, so they get to this factory, they're wandering around the factory, you know, eventually they get holed up. She starts having closer contractions because you know how it works. It's the contractions get closer and closer together and then baby pops out. Um, and so she's having a contraction. He's like, it's, it's going to be a couple of hours. He's like, okay, you know, like, we're just going to have to hold up in this place. You're going to have your baby. We're going to figure this out. You know, we'll be good. And then, you know, for some reason, she's like, no, we need to leave. And he's like, okay, let's leave. And then they start getting attacked by zombies. Uh, I mean, like, because of course. Um, and so now there is a literal Scooby-Doo chase at this point. Like, you know, like the scene where, like, they're running through the doorways yes. and they run one way and then they run the other. Yes. So a literal Scooby-Doo doorway chase scene happens. Uh, they have four bullets left in this shotgun that they got. We're, we're going to talk about the shotgun. Call him um, So she's, so, you know, and he has a, like a hammer or something, you know, and they just one shot, you know, they get rid of the hammer almost instantly. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, so they're like running and running and running. And then at one point he gets grabbed and bit on the neck. So he gets pulled away and she's like, fuck, now I'm all alone. So she starts hauling ass out of there. Uh, as she, you know, as she does. And then just as she's like getting, uh, caught up, he shows up with the shotgun, you know, starts killing some people, uh, you know, getting her some space to get out. She gets out and he's like, no, I'm going to stay. He, but then he keeps the shotgun. Like he's dead. Like he's been bit. He's dead. You know, like he is, he is done for, he's surrounded by zombies. There's only two shots left in the shotgun. Why didn't he give it to her because he just set her loose into the wild? So this whole scene, like it was, it was filmed in slow motion, but I get the sense that it would have felt like it was slow motion, even if it wasn't. Cause they're like, they're not exactly running through these hallways. They're walking at kind of a brisk pace as like every corner they turn more zombies start following them. And it's it, like, this is almost comical uh, too, because it just, a some shambling corpses slowly following through this like concrete underground bunker. <coughs> Excuse me. And then, yeah, he's got his hero's moment where like she gets out the door and they, they share a knowing look and then he shuts it and she runs away and like collapses outside. And like, he takes out all of the zombies and I'm waiting like, okay, is he going to like, try to escape because he doesn't know that the bite is fatal because again, we, we have no context to say that it is, uh, is he going to kill himself with the shotgun? Is there going to be that last moment of like, I'm sorry, my family, I miss you something. And then like, kaboom. Uh, but no, we get none of that. And then as Mara is like collapsing and passing out on the side of the road, a car pulls up and someone, Oddly, like, a decision was made here to make whoever this mystery character whose face we never see kind of look like Ben and, like, helps her up, puts her in the car. She, like, miraculously delivers the baby by herself in the back of the car while it's moving. We never see the driver, and everything's just sunshiny for her uh, roll credits. 
it's a very, very confusing end. Like, what, like I thought for a moment that, because they were showing us, you know, between Mara and Ben, and I thought we were seeing, like, Ben stays behind, he takes out all the zombies, he realizes that it's going to be okay, and then, like, then he goes out and he rescues Mara because enough time has passed. But no, that's that's not, because I actually watched in the credits and they say, like, Savior Woman or something like that as, like, the, the final credit. So, what happened? It is weird that they put the woman in scrubs. I guess that's just to be like, now you know she's going to be taken care of because it's some sort of medical professional. Mm -hmm. You know, like, that was just a really weird choice. Um, And I don't know if it was to give us peace of mind for Mara about to deliver a baby, but it, it, you're right. It was a choice. Like it was a very specific. Like that was a costume design. It wasn't just some person in jeans. Yeah, like, that was a costume choice. She was in scrubs, and the very, very little bit we saw of anything other than her clothing, it kind of looked like she had short, light-colored hair, which Ben does as well. Ben has like short yeah. reddish hair or something like that. So like, it really did make it feel like like somehow Ben pulled off some sort of miraculous save, and he was gonna get Mara out of there, which wouldn't have made any sense but it would have at least had some sort of continuity with the storyline instead of just like here's some rando that you're never going to learn anything about yeah uh so thus ends our movie um so should you watch this movie i mean i'm very conflicted it's it's a slow burn and not a lot really happens but like I would say this is this is almost like it's a zombie movie for people who like art house films. Because it's not really a zombie film. And like, yes, it's horror and yes, there's some gore, but like it's not scary and there's not much. I you know, the thing about this that frustrates me is is that I was like, okay, you know, at the end of the movie, I was like, Okay, like I get it. This is this is really like a this is this specific moment between this two specific people and you're supposed to feel for them and feel the tension that they're going through. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but what this film was missing was any sort of uh, tension or dramatic dialogue. Like, there's no good dialogue in this movie at all. The characters barely talk to each other, aside from, like, do this, do that. So, like, you don't feel for any of the characters. Like, nothing happens between the two of them that made me be like, oh, yes, this is the hero. You know what it is? It feels like they filmed an outline. Like, they didn't write a script. They wrote an outline, and they filmed on the outline. They filmed scenes without filming a story that's what it feels like there is really no story here there's there is a there's a theme there's an idea but there is no story there's no character like i can't say that the characters are were developed at all there was just nothing to the characters and there was no like this is the plot of the movie and it doesn't need to be a grand plot i mean think of how many movies we reviewed you know very well on this uh, uh on this podcast that were just moments in life right they're Mm -hmm. just these one sort of incident um that just works but there was good dialogue there's good characters characters you you feel for you understand there just wasn't that in this movie and i think i think there was a lot of room to have that and i think i think that the the dead site has a great concept and it explores uh a couple of character archetypes that like wouldn't normally show up or would only show up as like bit players in an ensemble like you know the the pregnant woman who like 
inevitably dies and like the baby turns like in fucking the Dawn of the Dead remake or like right. someone who has some sort of disability who is seen as like holding the group back and that becomes an argument like any one of those things like those types of characters aren't typically explored as mains in these stories and I liked that and there's something really interesting about having a zombie apocalypse style film set in such isolation that the characters aren't overwhelmed and you can have a very like slow, steady, like story and character driven uh, narrative. You know, think of like uh, if uh, Save Yourselves had been zombies instead of aliens. Like yeah. that's kind of what this could have been, which is the two characters alone figuring it out. But it's just it wasn't. So I would say it's not. This isn't an like a clear hard pass for me. Um, but it's also not a strong recommend. It's kind of like if you want to explore the the far end of what a zombie film can be, uh, while still like while keeping it more artsy and small cast intimate, sure, check it out. But like, just don't expect to walk away knowing what happened. I, this is pretty much one of those movies where it's like. And now we take a break from the main characters to see what these assholes are doing over here. Nothing? <laughs> Got it. All right, let's go back to the main characters. You know, like, they just, they weren't even main characters in their own movie, mm -hmm. uh, which which was frustrating because we needed a main character. Someone needed to be the main character. Like, Ben's hero moment, I just didn't fucking matter. Yeah. Like, it was just so, like, like, when he gets bitten, I was just like, oh, well, there goes Ben. Man, it, and I'm like, I guess, I don't know. Like The... I think the only other way that I think that this movie, like that there are two ways that this movie should have ended. One, they both get out and maybe there's hope for a better life, but we're not sure. Or two, they both die. I, when he said, when he was like, there's only two bullets left. And I was like, okay, grim, but here we go. Yeah. Like, this is it. They're going to, they're going to murder suicide. You know, like, I was like, okay, this is, or they're about to murder suicide and they get rescued. You yeah. know, I was waiting for that as well. Oh, like, and I was like, okay, like, that's where it is. Did you see the, the original adaptation of The Mist? The one that I'm yes. always quoting when I yell, when there's fog and I yell, there's something in The Mist. The mist. Uh, yeah. That ending, I'm sorry, y'all, spoilers for a, like, two-decade-old film. <laughs> but If not more than that, um, yeah. Uh, at the very end, the the group like they they try to escape, and then they reach a point where they think all hope is lost. So the the main guy starts a, a murder suicide chain. He's killing everyone else that survived with him. He's just about to kill himself, and he's including rescued. his son, including his son. Yeah, uh, yeah, and like then he's rescued, and like he has to deal with that trauma. Uh, after everything else that he just went through. And that's a brutal ending, but it was a very powerful and very good ending. Uh, this movie could have done something like that for Mara, like knowing that like, it, like Ben got bitten and like she had to kill him like just moments before they're rescued or something like that. And like she's found like sobbing as she's like holding her just born baby and the smoking gun that she just used to kill this person that she became friends with during this horror survival situation that could have been interesting she doesn't even become friends with them though yeah. they only yeah. talk like four times the whole movie exactly. and most of it is like 
we need to do this. No, we need to do this. But I'm blind. You know, like that was that was all they ever really said to each other. Like she even says, like, I read your file and doesn't go like, why did you kill your wife and kid, man? Yeah. You know, like she doesn't even bring that up. And so why the fuck did she read it then? Why did we learn it if she doesn't even bring it up? There was just a lot. There was just a lot left on the table here, like so much so that there just wasn't any substance to this movie. Yeah. But you're right. It is a great theme. This is an outline for a better movie. Now somebody needs to come in and actually write characters because mm-hmm. there are no characters in this movie. I there's there just isn't. That said, like you know, we we used to say like how would we how would we write rewrite a film if we had to? And like, you know, we we basically covered that here without explicitly saying that, but like I would watch a rewrite of this film. I would watch one yeah. that like actually really dives into these characters and gives us a reason to like feel strongly about whatever end that they come to. And so uh, just putting that out there, Liv and uh, Kevin, um, if you want to consider like revisiting this film, I'm interested. Yes. Yes. If you, yeah, if we go back through and write actual characters uh, and character arcs, yes, this is a good, the outline for this movie is good. It is a good outline exactly as it goes too. like exactly all the plot points. Mark or uh, uh, Ben gets bitten. Mara, you know, narrowly escapes only to be rescued. Like keep all of that. It would have been cool if I actually gave a fuck about Ben or knew anything about him yeah. uh, at all. Literally anything. Yeah. Uh, the only thing we learn intimately about him that we can factually confirm is that his name is Ben Nielsen. Yep. And that's it. Because <laughs> yep. even the other story is like, we don't have any context to that story. You know, because for all we know, he could have just murdered his family or... It could have just a fire could have just happened and he went in and tried to rescue them. But for some reason, they thought he was the one who said it mm-hmm. like there's no context to that story. So, like, I don't know if he's a villain or not. Um, so I didn't know whether I should think about him any further than I did, which was I didn't. Yeah. Such a shame. So uh, now we got to compare the two. So between Trench 11 and uh, and Dead Sight, which was the worst film? That is is a difficult question to answer. Not because like, Oh, they're both complete garbage. And like, how do I choose? But like, because if you would ask me like in the first half of dead site, is this going to be better or worse than trench 11? My impression would have been, this is definitely going to be better. It's miles better. More along the lines of a true zombie film. It has this really interesting premise of these two characters that, uh, would both like struggle on their own in a, in a situation like this and have to protect each other. It's, you know, really like hella isolated. Like it had all the makings of like a really great film and then it just didn't go anywhere. Trench 11 was okay, but it was really just like an okay, but kind of like borderline wacky war film that had a lot of, like technical issues and a lot of like plot holes. Um, yeah, it was a little messy. I think I'm going to give the, the, the worst, the, the victory here to trench 11. Yeah. I, you know, I have to agree. And I think the only reason why is because dead sites, not necessarily a bad movie. Mm-hmm. It's just barely a movie. It's just, it like, it was just like, la- it was lacking enough to, for us to call it bad. 
Like they could have made yeah. decisions that would have actually made the film bad. And then we'd be having a different conversation. But as it stands, this movie was almost good. And I really wanted to like it. I, I did. I, you know, the first, you know, 15, you know, uh, all the way up until we get into the house until Mara and Ben start like, you know, getting together. I was like, this is, this is actually a decent movie. Like, I like the idea of this plot. Like you have two vulnerable people that need to rely on each other and, you know, one has to fill in the blanks for the other, right? Mm -hmm. Ben's got the physicality uh, to to do all of those sort of things, and she's got the eyes, mm -hmm. you know, and and the the knowledge of police, you know, whatever. And I'm like, this is great. They're gonna, you know, fill each other's gaps and protect each other. Awesome. But that doesn't happen through the movie, so like it became very frustrating. But yeah, Trench Eleven was messy of a film. There was too much going on. It was very messy and. A lot of issues. So, yeah, I think Trench 11 is is the clear winner for the worst of these two. The other side of this discussion is it's kind of moot which one was the worst of the back half of the month because Strain 100 stands alone at the top of Shit Mountain as, hands down, genuinely the worst movie we watched this month. Yeah, Strain, Strain 100 is the clear winner for this month for the worst uh, zombie movie uh, that we watched in June. Uh, give, give a round of applause to uh, Strain 100 for uh, for really knocking it out of the park. Uh, it it truly was uh, the worst of the worst uh, of this of this month. Uh, that being said, Daylight's End was a good movie. Yeah. I I enjoyed myself during Daylight's End. Could it have been better? Oh yeah. Was it a little corny? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. The actors were a little corny. There was a little bit of, you know, like eh, cringe. Um, but like it was still a decent action movie. Yeah. And, you know, the plot was okay. Uh, Daylight's End was probably the best film we watched this month. I'm not saying, I mean, that, you know, again, we're not saying this is a fantastic movie, but it's of the four. Yeah. It was the best uh, of it. And it's, it, it really is a shame because with the right tweaks, I think Dead Sight would have been the clear winner if we were going for best film of the month. Totally, totally. If they would have called us up, we would have made this a better film. Uh, we would have written written some actual character dialogue, and we would have had a really good, intimate film. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think that's what it was missing. Uh, so there you have it, folks. So that was the uh, the best of the the worst of the best, or the best of the worst. Yeah, the worst of the worst. And for June, I'm I'm really curious uh, for folks listening. Um, you know, we we hinted at the beginning of the month that this kind of monthly bracket idea and maybe even a larger bracket uh, or hell, like we could, we could come up with a whole like Nahoid awards if we wanted to, but like, did this format, like, did it work? Like, do you, do you like the idea of us playing uh, a theme uh, of movies against each other uh, or like, is, was it kind of pointless? I'm, I'm just curious to hear. Yeah. And you know, we can change that up too. So it doesn't have to be the worst of the films. It could be the best of the films we watch during the month or the most funny or the most technically bad, you know, like we can really mix up the, the sort of things. But if you dug this, there's a couple of ways you can let us know. So first off, of course, you can hit us up on social media at night shift MG yeah. on both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, if you head to our website, nightshiftradio.com, you can fill out a comment form, uh, send us a message or if you're so inclined, this is sort of a double win uh, for us. If you leave a rating and review and say, I liked the the bracket formula. If you say, you know, just leave a, a rating and then review comments saying, I like the bracket formula, we'll know to keep it up. Um, uh, you've got a week, so hurry up with that because uh, in one week from today, well, actually, as of listening to this episode, 
we might be able to figure that out. We'll have already been one episode in uh, recording wise, but you know, whatever, we'll figure it out and maybe we'll do it in August again. Yeah. Um, and that could be cool. So let us know, find us, you know, of course, you know, we're all on social media, other places, just search around, you'll find us. Uh, and yeah, so that does it for the month of June. Once again, congrats to strain 100, uh, really, you know, really doing the heavy lifting, yes. uh, for the worst movie of the month. Absolutely. Like a, a clear and uncontested winner. Yeah. You know, after watching strain 100, I was like, there's no way that this doesn't win the month. Oh. Like there's just, there just isn't. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so uh, there it is, everyone. Thanks a lot for joining us. We super appreciate it. Uh, just as a, another reminder, so tomorrow we'll have a brand new episode coming out where we're reviewing episode one of Secret Invasion with the Superpod HeroCast guys who are joining us, and we're going to be doing this weekly on Mondays. So just for you know, for the next six weeks, our bonus episodes are going to be dropping on Monday, uh, where we will be talking about episode per episode spoilers of the show Secret Invasion starting to air on Disney+. Plus, So just a heads up for that. You know, when you said tomorrow, I momentarily forgot how time works and was like, shit, I didn't watch it. Wait. I didn't watch it. Wait, yeah. it hasn't come out yet. How are we going to do yes. that tomorrow? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we record at least one episode in advance. So there it is. Uh, so there it is, everyone. We super appreciate it. And we will see you tomorrow.